Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Rock Retrospectives right here on Movement Radio. I'm Talon Williams. I'm Chip Hazard. I'm Roger Sierra. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be discussing the band Corn. Now, I think a lot of people know they are new metal pioneers. A lot of people say that they were the ones who revolutionized the style of new metal. So in case a lot of you guys have been living under a rock... Corn is an American new metal band that was formed in Bakersfield, California back in 1993. The band is notable for pioneering the genre of new metal and bringing it to the mainstream. Now, originally, they were formed in 1993 with only three members of the original band, which was LAPD. Corn's current lineup consists of uh, James Schaefer, known to his bandmates as Monkey, uh, Reginald, I'm going to butcher his name off, and please forgive me, uh, Aruzio, I think that's how it's pronounced. I don't know, aka Fieldy, uh, Brian Welsh, aka Head, Jonathan Davis, and they had an additional drummer of uh, Ray Laruzzo, who started with the band in 2007, replacing the original drummer, David Civilera. Corn made a demo tape called Nita Meyer's Mind back in 1993, which, which was distributed free to record to record companies and on request to members of the public. Their debut album, their self-titled album, Corn, was released back in 1994, followed by Life is Peachy, and the band experienced their first big major success with the album Follow the Leader. Issues after that in 1999, with both albums debuting at number one on the Billboard 200. The band's mainstream success continues with Untouchables, Take a Look in the Mirror, and See You on the Other Side. The compilation album called The Greatest Hits was took place in 2004, and they have a wide variety of categories, a wide variety of subject matter that they talk about. As of ni- as of 2018, Korn had sold more than 40 million records worldwide. 12 of the band's official releases have peaked in the top 10 of the Billboard 200, eight of which have peaked in the top five. Seven official releases are certified platinum by the American Industry of, of, of the American the Recording Industry Association of America. Two are certified double platinum, and one is certified triple platinum. Corn has released seven video albums as well as the 39 music videos. The band was released has released 41 singles. 28 of those singles charted and Korn has earned two Grammy Awards out of the eight nominations and two MTV Video Music Awards out of their 11 nominations. So yeah, that was a whole lot to spew, but therefore now you're a little bit caught up on who they are. Um, So I'll break it down like this. Chip, Roger, when was the first time you guys heard the band Korn? Ugh. Um... Probably had to be for me in might have been ninety seven actually, because um, I am a little younger than you guys. You know how it is. Um, took me a second to catch on to them. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what song it is. I know it's from. I feel like it's from um, Life Is Peachy, but I just can't remember which one it is. It, uh, it, it may have been. Have do you think it was Adidas? Wait, what? Adidas, all day I dream about sex. No, uh, maybe maybe it wasn't Life Is Peachy. Uh, I just remember my brother had the album, what their albums early on. I mean, it's the same time that we were listening to Limp Biscuit, so right. That would be nineteen ninety seven. Uh, so you, the the album you probably remember, if it's, if I'm thinking of the album correctly, 
it might be 98 with like with a uh, follow the leader probably it might be um but follow the leader came out in august of 1998 yeah because that's freak on a leash isn't it yep yeah yeah then yeah i think i think it was that one that's the first one i remember i mean it may have been a little it may have been something from life is peachy like adidas like you said but i definitely remember uh freak on a leash because it was just so different from anything i've ever heard at the time right chip what about you what do you uh so so i i was a late bloomer to corn um i i didn't pick them up until their third album follow the leader uh and it was the song freak on a leash that uh like drew me in because it was so different you had like the bagpipes and jonathan davis with his shit that he does uh, <laughs> yeah, some, that weird ass funky like yeah that weird scatting yeah, yeah. Scatting, yeah it's crazy yeah like I, I remember hearing freak on a leash uh my boy jonathan had the album and because uh, he was he was way more into rock music at that time than i was i was still you know f- firmly in the the hip-hop category uh and then you know he, he was like man you got to hear this and i heard it and i was like man what the hell is this? this is some crazy shit right here uh what the hell is this and he was like oh this is a band called corn and i was like oh, okay cool and uh so i went out and bought the album and then did some research and found out that it was actually the third album so then i went back and listened to the first two albums uh and i thought they were okay but definitely you know follow the leader was up until that point their best album right uh for me i had a cousin who um was way much older than i am um and his one of his favorite bands was the band corn and the actually the first one a lot of people think oh well freak on if you if you're a fan of corn then obviously freak on the leash was the first song that you ever heard it wasn't the first song that i ever heard by the band corn was got the life that was the very first song that i ever heard um, mm-hmm. I just remember the fieldy doing the bass line. It's like that boom chicka bam boom chicka boom chicka chicka boom chicka bam boom. And I'm thinking, is 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 somebody playing like percussion or something? Because he fieldy made it like the way that he the way that his guitar the way that the bass guitar was, it almost made it like it was part of percussion as well because of the way that he he because he's a slap baser, you know, or bass slap. Right. You know, he because he, he's got that you know um but that that right there drew me in and i was like huh you know and then the the actual song the build and build and build to it and it wasn't until much later when i actually heard the song blind for the first time and then i was like hey corn's got a new uh song out and one of my buddies was like dude that's the first song they ever put out i was like really you know so then i then i had to go back and my, my buddy uh nick that i used to go to that I, that I went to high school with or i'm sorry elementary school no middle school when the hell did i know him anyway so he gave me um <laughs> i can't remember he gave me the he, he he let me borrow the um the original corn album um and it was like i mean it was bonkers i was like oh shit this is kind of some very very dark subject matter for the first album which there's a lot of dark undertones to a lot of Korn's music, um, but they make it sound so different. It's almost like you kind of like overlook all the dark undertones, kind of like with Tool in a way, you know? Um, but in a sense, 
And we can talk about, like, I mean, of course, and the, I think the first time I ever seen anybody wearing any type of corn merchandise, I do remember there was the black shirt and with the white letters that had corn written on the front and the R was backwards, you know, yep. and, and, and it was like, I guess that was a way to, to make it stand out, you know, when, when thinking of the band name, and this is something that um, I'm looking up here, it says, when thinking of a band name, Someone suggested corn, but the band rejected that name. So Schaefer had the idea to spell it with a K instead of a C and a backwards R. So the band was named Corn with the backwards R. The idea of using the backwards R came from the logo on the toy from the toy retailer Toys R Us, for which many of the band members had previously worked before starting the band. So there you go. Oh, nice. There's a little piece of useless information for everybody. The logo itself was actually designed by vocalist Jonathan Davis. Um, and former drummer David uh, Civilera uh, explained that the music makes the name because Corn's a dumb name, but once we get established, it's going to be a cool name. And it's like, okay. Um, so then we go to their very first album, which was the album Corn. Now, by May of 1994, Korn began recording their debut album with Ross Robbins. I think we've talked about him on a previous uh, edition of the of the uh, of the retrospective when we talked about because he was involved with Limp Biscuits, uh, one of Limp Biscuits' records. Um, yeah. It says that it was finished recording by the end of June of 1994, and on October 11th, 2000, I'm sorry, 1994, Korn released a self-titled album through Immortal Records, which is a epic imprint label uh which peaked yeah. at the number one on the heat seeker album charts now the heat seeker album charts is a little bit different because those are the ones that's like bands that have been like their debut i think heat seeker is always the people's debut mainstream albums i believe um and would eventually reach number 20 i'm sorry yeah no 72 i'm sorry on the billboard 200 in february of 1996 the album received positive reviews by critics and it's said to have established the new wave of metal, as well as sparking the new metal genre. The album also, uh, the album's producer, um, the album itself was influenced, has influenced so many other bands, such as Limp Biscuit, Cold Chamber, and Slipknot. So I guess the debut album, Corn. Do you guys remember this particular album? Anything about it that you maybe anything that stands out as far as like um, any song that stands out or anything that you remember very distinctly from the album? Um, I, I so the one song on here that always sticks out to me is Shoots and Ladders. Yeah. Where they they actually take nursery rhyme lyrics and put them into this like heavy metal you know i mean obviously we know it as new metal now but back then there wasn't really a, a term for it right uh you know in in 94 95 94 95 um but you know you're listening to it and it, it you know you hear you know ring around the rosy one two buckle my shoe london bridge is falling down baba black sheep this old man mary had a little lamb like all in this and you're like are these motherfuckers doing nursery and rhymes they made, they, they made nursery to, rhymes to heavy very, metal very <laughs> yeah i was like 
this is kind of cool. Yes, yeah, ab- so. absolutely. Um, and you know what? It's it's funny because um, the in the in the blurb that I'm reading right here, it says in in 2018, Loudwire.com named this record the greatest new metal album of all time. We discussed that actually on the episode of uh, the new metal, our, our personal top new metal songs. Um, or no, yeah, well, minus Roger. Yeah. Um, which Roger, you know, we got to do a part three and let Roger get his in. Obviously, then we can talk about that. Uh, Roger, anything from this album that you enjoyed? <laughs> uh, yeah, just like Chip said, that shoots and ladders just because of how literally different it is. Making a dark nursery, like nursery rhymes are dark to begin with, but making <laughs> darker, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, there is like, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Chip. I, I was going to say in an interview, uh, Jonathan Davis said that this song. Uh, this is an actual quote from him. He said it was written because of all because all these little kids sing these nursery rhymes and they don't know what the original what they were originally meant for. Everyone is so happy when singing "Ring Around the Rosies," but it's actually about the Black Plague. All of these evil stories behind them, <laughs> right? You know, so they took these nursery rhymes that you know you would sing to little kids to to get them to go to bed or calm down or whatnot uh and they they took the original meaning and threw it out there you know these dark demented meanings right um and then also i think i mean you can't really think of corn without thinking about the song blind i mean that was oh, yeah. the very first song you hear you know you you, you, you know you got david with the uh, the symbols in the back and then you that and then Jonathan Davis's growl when he's screaming, "Are you ready?" And then, like you see it when remember when they did the uh, the and I'm I'm going in the future a little bit when they did the uh, that that particular song at Woodstock '99, and you just see the sea humanity going nuts for that song because that song was just at the time you know that was still the song that they were most famous for you know, um, but right. but like I said before, I mean there were some very very dark songs on this album and the one album the one song on here that was just eerie was the song daddy do you you guys remember that song i I don't Uh, i just just remember it being a super long song yeah well the concept jonathan davis has stated that the song is about a painful experience of child molestation however he denies it it was physical or sexual at the hands of his father and the title some concept believe about basically it's a con basically the album is basically through the eyes of the child being molested by the people who are supposed to protect him pretty much and you know like i've heard the song before it's 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 chilling like it's really one of those albums where it's like yeah it's a it's a song that you really it'll, it'll make you it's just it's just one of them, it's just an eerie song you know if you go go back and listen to it if you if you if you let me know what you guys think of it because it's a very very eerie song um yeah um so i i just looked up a little blurb about it and so the the song actually calls many to assume that jonathan davis's father rick davis had molested yeah. him uh and it was a source of embarrassment for rick Though Jonathan has gone on record to say in many interviews it was actually written about a family friend. Yeah. Both Jonathan and his father Rick have decided not to say who that person was. And in an early Kerrang! magazine interview, 
Davis commented on the song saying, when I was a kid, I was a being, I was being abused by someone else. And I went to my parents and told them about it. And they thought I was lying and joking around. They never did shit about it. They didn't believe it was happening to their son. I don't really like to talk about that song. This is as much as I've ever said about it. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a very dark, dark song, you know? Um, and I think, you know, because, and and it's weird because there was, because there's another song that's very similar to this. Um, it's the song, uh, prison sex by the band tool, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't really know that that's what it's about until you start looking into the lyrics. And it's one of those songs that's dark and it has a very dark meaning behind it. But you don't really hear the meaning because you're, you know, you either groove into the song or something like that. And then you hear that you realize the backstory and you're like, it, it makes you make it, it makes you feel different a little bit about the about the song, you know. And of course, with, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And of course, with the album cover being. I mean, if you look at that, if you, if you remember the album cover to the, to the self-titled album, that little girl on the swing set and the figure, we don't know if it's, if it's we don't know if it's a predator. We don't know if it's a monster. You know, but that, you know, it, it's kind of goes hand in hand with that song, if you will. Um, right. You know, it has, you know, the, the themes of the album were about child abuse, drug abuse and bullying, you know. Um, but yeah, that was definitely. And I mean, I would say this album because it, it, it I mean, it came in hot and heavy right out the gate uh, with so many great uh, songs on it. Um, and they actually made enough money from the first album that they actually bought themselves a tour bus for the first time so that they could go on the road. Their first gig was actually in Atlanta. Um, and, um, basically it says about halfway through the tour, the tour bus that their record company gave them stopped working and Korn had to basically find a brand new one. Their first tour was not very successful promoting the album. The band went on to tour with the band, with the band uh, Sick of It All back in January of 1995. That Later that year, Korn had chosen... Korn, Korn was chosen along with the band Deftones as a support for Ozzy Osbourne. So right right away, you know, there he the Korn's getting involved with Ozzy, which is one of, you know, one of the, the pioneers of metal, you know, you know, that first wave of British heavy metal that came over from Britain to the United States and the, you know, the black Sabbath, you know, black Sabbath basically being the godfathers of modern day metal, you know? Um, and then, you know, they re- got done with the tour and they released it. And then they came to 1996 with the band, with the album life is peachy. Um, do you? Like, yeah, it was almost. It was released almost two years to the day. Yeah, October from October when? Um, yeah, their first album was uh, yeah, same. Pro- yes, uh, same producer Ross Robbins uh, produced uh, that as well. Um, and uh, I mean, three really there's I, only I, three I, good. I mean, I won't say three good songs, but there's only three memorable songs from this album, which was "No Place to Hide," "Adidas," and "Good God." Uh, I remember a, a, two more songs, okay. um, "Wicked," which was a, a cover of a song by Ice Cube, and it featured Chino Moreno. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember. Uh, that. I do remember that song. On it. I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember uh, and it then they did. Head, no. Uh, and then they did a cover of "Wars Lowrider." Oh, yeah. Okay. I do. I, I don't. No, no, I, um, I, I take that back. I don't remember but hearing it, that. 
if if we're only talking original songs, then the only one I actually remember off of this album uh, that like I can still remember to this day without going back and listening to it was Adidas. Yeah. You know, it had that, and yeah, and the music video for it was weird. Um, basically, it's basically it's like a it's a it's all five of the band members in car in a car wreck involved in a car wreck and it's raining and the paramedics are there and blah 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 um like it's weird like like what the song was about wasn't really what the song what the video portrayed it to be about does that make sense yeah yeah i mean because the song adidas is you know it's an acronym for all day i dream about sex but there was no sex involved with the video video you know unless you count the end of the video where they're all dead but then once they're in the morgue and everything they all have like these weird good looking smiles on their faces and i want to i'm sitting there thinking are they going like necrophilia or something is that what they're implying i, I don't know you know but I don't know. roger what you think yeah what you what you thinking roger uh I, to be honest i don't know why the video is what it is for this song uh maybe just for them to be different and not because I mean most people want their song and video to sort of have the same meaning and bring you to it but no idea was this one <laughs> like it's right. it's so far off what the actual song is or maybe we're missing something maybe we need to do a little deep dive on the video and actually try to figure out what they're saying that and stuff. would be a bad idea actually that'd be a pretty cool idea so with that being said the band gained more popularity after the album dropped and especially after they had been been going on the road for a while with bands like Ozzy Osbourne, Deftones, etc. They actually co-headlined that year's 1997's Lollapalooza Music Festival, and they headlined it alongside the band Tool. However, Korn was forced to stop touring after uh, Schaefer was diagnosed with viral meningitis. The, uh, the promotional disc was released in 1997 to promote both the band and the album Life is Peachy, um, the, I'm sorry, the bands, they, they had a Life is Peachy tour, which was which featured uh, the bands Incubus and The Urge. Um, that also included three live tracks. Um, then Korn signed a publishing contract with Warner, Chap- Warner Chapel Music prior to the release of the 1998 album Follow the Leader. Uh, Gretchen Pugh, I want to say that's how it's pronounced, uh, a Zeeland, Michigan high school assistant principal said in an interview for the Michigan newspaper that Korn's music was indecent, vulgar, obscene, and, intent, and intended, intends to be insulting after giving a student, Eric Van Vover, a one-day suspension for wearing a, the band's t-shirt. WKLQ was filmed giving, hundreds, giving away hundreds of free Korn t-shirts, which was donated by the band outside of the school. Ottawa County Police Officers helped hand some out as well. Corn filed a cease and desist order because Puel and the school district for their comments, they also threatened a multi-million dollar lawsuit, but both actions were dropped due to the band members' personal lives. So basically, this lady, this, 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 this assistant principal suspends a kid for one day for wearing a corn shirt just because she doesn't like the band corn and what they stand for, and W... w uh, 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 a Michigan rock uh, it's cumulus um, a Michigan rock station basically gave away hundreds of free corn shorts in front of this school like 
like that's something like I I mean I can understand if there was like vulgar imagery or curse words or you know violence or something like I can understand if it was like a fucking cannibal corpse shirt like I get that but if it just says corn on the front like how is that bad you know what I mean I mean, it depends on what the shirt actually had on. Well, I mean, it, at, I mean, at the time, if it was yeah, the original if, if, corn it, shirt, if it was just the black, yeah, I was to say if it was just the black corn shirt or the black shirt that said corn on it and it, it in their logo, then that I don't understand. But I mean, they have had some some kind of racy shirts over yeah. the years. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, over the past so, couple, I mean, I, I mean, over the past several years, a lot of them have been toned down a lot compared to what they were in two thousand. Oh yeah, but yeah. Um, Oh yeah, um, I, I also one thing I remember about the the Follow the Leader album, um, aside from the music, was it was the first album that I ever bought where like the first, the first like twelve tracks were silence. Do you guys remember that from Follow the Leader? Yeah. Uh, wait, yeah, I mean? don't understand what you're talking about. So, so the music didn't actually start. Uh, they had like twelve tracks of silence on the, the like the physical, and you guys might be too young to remember <laughs> that. Um, no, no, I, and that's not a, a knock. But when I first bought the first this album, like the first uh, several tracks were just silence. I thought I'd bought a messed up CD, and um, the first track it's on didn't actually start until like track 13 or something yeah i'm, I'm looking it up under uh under info and it does say that the original physical release um depending on which one you got you got the 25 track one the 19 track one or the 55 and uh depending on which one you had it either has 12 hidden tracks six hidden tracks or 42 hidden tracks and they all consist of silence so yeah that's really weird. Why would, yeah, it, you think it, that it, was a fuck up on the on the I, on the distributor's part? N- no, that was it was intentional. Uh, yeah, it was definitely intentional because Jonathan Davis has actually came out and said that he's very superstitious and doesn't like to. So the song, the 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 album only has thirteen right. tracks yeah. total. Yeah, uh, if you take out all the silence, but he didn't want to end on track number 13 because he's superstitious right. about the number 13 so they added silence to give you more right. tracks so he couldn't just do one silent track and then end on 14 i don't know <laughs> like this seems like a lot for no reason yeah. um yeah. so well like you chip just brought it up uh the, the album the song the album follow the leader which in my personal opinion i think it's the second greatest new metal album of all time um, I think Chip also has it at number two, I think. Um, but prior to the release of the band's third album, Korn produced a weekly online TV show called Korn TV, which documented the making of the album and featured special guests such as Ron Jeremy, Limp Biscuit, and the band 311. The project also gave the fans, nicknamed Niblets, I've never heard that before, but okay. Um, honestly, God, I've, never heard that. I've never heard Korn fans be called Niblets. I'm sorry, I've never heard that before. I guess I learned something new every day here on the Rock Retrospective. But anyway, the chance to call in and ask the band questions, an approach that represented one of the first times a band actually utilized the internet in such a way. So really, if you really want to say, maybe Korn was the ones who kind of 
you know, started the whole, you know, not 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 social media thing, but kind of like the whole like fan interaction over the internet. Like, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. I can't I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. Like, like a CompuServe thing almost. Chat rooms. You know what I mean? Like CompuServe what? almost. Similar yes, to a chat room, chat. yeah. Yeah, yeah. A chat room. Similar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Corn released the album Follow the Leader on August 18, 1998, which featured a number of musical guests such as Ice Cube, uh, Ferricide, uh, Trey Hardson, Fred Durst, actor Cheech Marin on the hidden track called uh, Eric My Eye. That's weird. And that was actually written by him himself. Like, okay. So Korn launched a political campaign style tour to promote the release of new uh, Follow the Leader. The tour took the group on a on a chartered jet all over North America to promote the album. They talked to fans and answered questions during the during like the fan conferences and such, uh, which was organized at each and every single stop on the route with signed autographs. Jim Rose from the Jim Rose Circus uh, show hosted the quote unquote campaign tour. Um, so again, follow the leader again. Like I said, I, I think it's one of the greatest new metal albums of all time. Um, what are some songs from the album that you guys just love? I mean, obviously, I mean, there's, there's the obvious one that I think everybody remembers, which is freak on a leash. Well, there's also got the life all Dead in the body family, everywhere. um, and children of corn, which yes. is ice cube. Uh, all in the family featured Fred Durst, right. by the way. Um, just, uh, I mean, just this album from top to bottom, I thought was yes. was great. Very, very interesting. Roger, what, what about you, Bubba? Uh, I mean, it's it's been a long time since I've actually listened to the album. Uh, the ones that stick out are "Freak on a Leash," um, "Got the Life," "All in the Family," and. Uh, I think it was BBK were the ones that stood right. out. Uh, I just need to go back and listen to it again because it's been a long, like it's been probably eight or nine years since I've actually listened yeah. to it. I, I, right. I'm weird when it comes to, especially with the rock retrospectives. Like if I know we got a certain retrospective coming up, I like to, you know, listen to you know the band that I'm talking about. I'm not at nauseum, but at least so I can be like, I remember that. Like, what good memories do I have of this particular song? You know, um, I mean. I, I don't yeah. understand the the the, the, the uh, song "Dead Bodies Everywhere" was the one that like stuck to me the most, and it wasn't a single. It was just it started off kind of slow, then it punches you in the gut. You know, it's like you know the chorus going like "Dead Bodies Everywhere," like oh shit, like it almost like. As a matter of fact, I think somebody actually used this song for a to as a highlight. Um, as like as part of like a highlight reel for like every Royal Rumble in history or something like that, you know, because you see like the bodies on the right. outside and there's like dead bodies everywhere, you know. Um, but yeah, that's one I remember. Um, do you guys remember the music video for Freak on a Leash? Isn't vaguely. That the, what? Uh, vaguely, I remember it. For for some reason, I think it's the bullet it one, but it's that's not the bullet, the bullet one. one. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Then I do um, started it. off almost like a cartoon, and then the bullet came through, you know, into real life. The bullet just traveling everywhere, and then it's like it's the band, and almost like this dark room, which I say it's a dark room. It's you know with the bullet holes going all the way through it, and the the, the lights making it look. It was just a weird ass video, man. Um, 
and uh that was that was one of those that was like you know i think that was the song at that point that the band like yeah freak on the leash is is the song that i i and me me personally i think freak on the leash is the song that when you hear the band corn when you when someone says hey name me a song by the band corn immediately the first thing they think of is freak on a leash yeah i mean it was it's that melody to it is really i remember that melody more than most songs in general just like that slow eerie guitar play and everything like that um in the video i mean i haven't seen that in forever and i still remember what it is which is weird uh but yeah when i do think of corn that's always the first song that pops in my head i mean Maybe because like rock band and Guitar Hero, because that's the song they always have for <laughs> right, porn. Right, right, right. I think I think that was everybody's um, thing. But yeah, I mean, but the album itself, I believe that the whole album was amazing. I think that again, I, for me personally, second greatest of all time. Um, but you know, we'll talk about that if whenever we do a, the, a, a reboot of the uh, new metal albums. Um, now, the album was considered a band mem- uh, by band members a complete success, debuting at number one on the Billboard 200 with at least 268,000 copies sold within the first week of its release. And among other signals sparring, you know, Got the Life, Freak on the Leash, and others. Um, the, and this is, they were, they both exposed Korn to a wider mainstream audience with music videos being a mainstay on MTV's Total Request Live. Remember, this was at the time when MTV was trying to capture that, rocks, that rock audience because you you had the the boy bands the 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 pop princesses the disney stars but then you also had the young cool hip-hop crowd but then you also had the new metal people who you know like oh we got to get these this is this is a new style this is bringing everybody you know and a lot of old like i say old heads but i don't mean it in a disrespectful manner a lot of the old head heavy metal uh bands did not like the new metal sound because they felt like it was they felt like it wasn't true to the new metal formula because they viewed it as selling out, if you will. Um, how, how do you guys feel about that? There, I mean, there have been several bands. I mean, I think Megadeth said it. I believe Slayer said it. Uh, uh, how do you guys feel about that? Like the old guard almost saying, like, this, is new, this new metal is garbage. It's not what metal is supposed to be. How do you guys feel about that? Um, it sounds like <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really feel like it happens with all genres of music. I mean, if you go all the way back to like Elvis Presley, <clears throat> you know, uh, like the the rock and roll that was before Elvis Presley, you know, people when he came out, people were like, "Oh, this dude's trash and everything," and he ended up becoming, you know, the, the king of rock, right? Uh, per se, and then you know, like. Even when Michael Jackson split off from the Jackson 5, people hated his music at first because it wasn't what they were used to and so on and so forth. And so when, you know, new metal came out, the the, the, the true uh, old head metal heads, uh, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but they, they thought that this music was yeah. trash. Because you know? it was so different. Uh, it wasn't to, like, it wasn't like, it wasn't Ozzy or Metallica or Anthrax or the old thrash metal that, you know, was so, because I guarantee you they looked at it the same way they looked at glam metal as well. The same way they looked at Poison and Motley Crue and bands like that who were a little bit more eccentric, you know? Well, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and if you even, you know, fast forward all the way to this day, where, like, us as hip-hop old heads, <laughs> per se, you know, we say that, you know, the, the current genre of hip-hop, known as mumble rap or SoundCloud rappers... Super trash. You know, <laughs> it's trash, you know. But, you know, there's a whole generation of people that really love this music for right. whatever reason. I think reason. a lot of it, yeah, like you what know? you said, a lot of it is uh, generational, I think. You know, I mean, hell, we grew up, you know, we grew up, you know, we, you know, we grew up with gangster rap. We grew up with, you know. No, no, no. See, I like to say it like this. We grew up in the era of drug dealers, and they're now in the era of drug yeah. users. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but it's true. You know, I, I can I, I think I there was a there was a video that I seen earlier with Snoop Dogg talking about how, um, you know, we 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 glorified drug culture, but at least when we talked about it, we talked about it in a sense of recovery. You know how people felt like it's, it's there's difference about there's a difference between selling it and using it. You know, or something. I'll I'll, I'll find it and I'll send you guys the interview. It was, it's a very interesting uh, thing that Snoop said. Um, but right. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, 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 you know, at that point, I was already fully hooked. At that point, because I heard the song "Got the Life," and I was like, "Yeah, this is this." I, I really enjoy this band. Excuse me. Um, right. and it was at that point that, um, Freak on a Leash won the Grammy for Best Music Video Short Form, and they received the nomination for the Best Rock, Best Hard Rock Performance that year for the Grammys. Um, the video also earned nine. MTV Video Music Award nominations, one particularly for Video of the Year, Best Rock Video, Breakthrough Video, Best Director, Best Special Effects, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, and the Viewer's Choice Award. But they only won two awards out of it, which was Best Editing and Best Rock Video. So, you know, I mean, there, I mean, there were several people that was like, oh, hell no, it should have been, you know, Video of the Year, but at the same time, you had fucking... NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and fucking Britney Spears and it's the fucking MTV crowd. They're not going to fucking you know, go to corn. They're going to go to these teeny boppers, you know, because that's what that's what was selling back in 1998. Um, but, you know, the Follow the Leader is, again, like what we said, considered to be the band's most commercially successful album being certified five times platinum by the RIAA and selling over 10 million records worldwide. You know, that's a testament, you know, and in order to, in, in, in uh, 2018, in order to mark the 20th anniversary of the album, uh, they actually uh, had some shows um, where they performed the whole entire album of Follow the Leader in its entirety for the 20th anniversary of the album. Now, that's pretty. Right. I, I remember hearing about those shows think- and uh I really wanted to go to some, but I, I think I they were only out. available in like the California, like Western states. I think, I think it was up and down just the, just the coast. I think anything from like San Bernardino yeah. all the way up to. No, if I'm not mistaken, they did a couple. They did, did one they? in Atlanta, yeah, one in I, Nashville. Yeah, because I was I was yeah. I was under the impression because they are a West Coast band that they would stick more to their roots or something like that. But but then that's when um, the album, and this was 1999. Their fourth album, Issues, which I believe, I mean, I still have it up there as an amazing album. Um, Ironically enough, um, this album is actually, 
a unique album for a couple of reasons. Um, the first reason is because the artwork that was chosen for the album was because in because I, I can't remember if it was MTV or the band Corn decided to put on a contest for any artist to create the artwork for the album and the artwork that actually made it on the album was the uh it, it almost looks like a voodoo doll in a sense or maybe like a like a, like a stuffed animal or stuffed you know doll or whatever that's ripped open with one of the buttons for eyes missing you know which with the album mm -hmm. titled issues kind of makes sense um and then there was another one right. um it was a very the one that got second place was a very dark one very disturbing one the third one was kind of like a cartoon s thing where it's like they're in the same asylum the fourth one looks eh, it looks tame by comparison to some of the other ones um uh i, I don't know if you would call that tame um it, it's it's there's stick figures on a bloody pavement with <laughs> um like a candlelight vigil yeah. around it I don't know what you would call that tame, but yeah, it's like chalk. It's like chalk outlines of kids. Yeah, is much. that what that is? Yeah. Holy shit! I didn't. Even pay. I yeah, just thought it was like cool kids. dirty, a dirty fucking sidewalk. I should have been paying more attention. No, it's yeah. it's like blood. Okay, if that's the case, that's a little bit more eerie than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> All right. So anyway, the album issues. What do you guys feel about this album? I, I again, um, I, th I thought it was a good album. Yeah, it's 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 a really good one. Um, I didn't get into that deep into this one. Um, this one came out what 90... 99. 99. Yeah. Um, at that point, pretty much I was just listening to this <laughs> So <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was the only thing for me right. at that point. Um, there was a lot of good songs on this album. Uh, that I really enjoyed. Um. I think the I think the one that a lot of people take away from it is uh, falling away from me is the one because if you remember, kind of like it, they they took a play off a of Limp Biscuit almost because you know how in the in the in the in the video the music video for Nookie, the end of that video led into the beginning of their next video which was um, rearranged. Corn at the right. end of the video for uh, Freak on a Leash. The end of that video was the beginning of the very next video, which was falling away from me. It was a continuation. And the the song itself was just eerie because you don't really like think of it as eerie, but it but it's very eerie from the standpoint that it was um, the song was basically, again, it was about domestic violence. Uh, Jonathan Davis in an interview said that the song is about domestic abuse and that they're are always ways to get help whether it's telling someone or calling out for help there is always a way out of those situations no one has to ever be treated this way um you know so jonathan again he 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 brings a lot of realness and almost uncomfortable subject matter whenever he releases a song what did you guys think feel about the song falling away from me uh from what i remember of it i it's not like 100% of my mind, but it was actually a really good song from right. what I can yep. remember. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was good. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, 
I wouldn't say it's the best song on this album, but it's probably the one that most people remember right. from this album. Um, I remember it because it was the one they used on that South Park episode of them. Yeah. Okay. It was also the uh, the band uh, Slaughterhouse, or the band Slaughterhouse, the, the hip hop group Slaughterhouse actually used uh, this song to sample to sample uh, for the uh, for the song Hammer Dance. Well, that's really, interesting. You go, I didn't listen know to that. the guitar riff. His has that that do 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 do. That that's exactly how the the guitar uh, the early guitar riff opening intro to this song. If you go back and just listen to it, that's the exact it's the exact same sequence. Yeah, because the moment I heard it, I was hmm. like, "Holy shit!" They 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 sampled corn. That's all I thought about that song, Hammer Dance. I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, like immediately it hit me. I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, but there are also other good songs on the album. Uh, Make Me Bad is another one that I really enjoyed. Somebody, Someone is another one that I thought was really good. Um, yeah, I, uh, in my opinion, Make Me Bad was uh, the best song on the album. Yeah. It's 1A, 1B for um, me between that and Somebody, Someone. And Falling With Me is great. Um, but I also think Wake Up is another good one that doesn't get nearly as much love as it should, I think. Um, anyway, go ahead, Roger. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was, I was just thinking, um, like I said, like, I didn't really listen to this one that much, so the songs are sort of mixed in my head. Um, I'm just trying to make sure I'm getting <laughs> right, each one right, right so I'll right. look at the right. lyrics before I say anything. Uh, but no, um, I like uh, um, "Wish You Could Be Me" was one of my ones ones I actually remember more for this yeah. album for some reason. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and, but yeah, and going back, to... probably because it was so short. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like a minute long, seven seconds. Yeah, but yeah, Corn has uh, this really weird thing of making these randomly short songs sometimes. Do. Right. Uh, yeah, Talon, you you're absolutely right. I looked up the. Uh, the Slaughterhouse album, um, Welcome to Our House, that it features the song Hammer Dance, and they actually gave credit to Korn uh, in the linear notes as writers yeah. on that yeah, song. Yeah, because they're, it kind of like how we talk about with other bands and stuff, like every band has a particular style. Every, like kind of like what we talked about, if you hear, and I use I use him a lot because he has a very distinguished voice, Sully Erna, if you hear Sur Sully Erna on a song, you automatically think it's a Godsmack song, you know, you know. So, but I also right. believe that a band can have a certain style. Like, if you hear a certain band, it's like, oh yeah, that's Breaking Benjamin, or oh, that's definitely Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah, oh, it's Five Finger Death Punch, of course. It's not like, -na 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 -na. yeah, it's Five Finger Death Punch. When it's corn, you get a very, <laughs> very like high pitch because if I'm not mistaken, and I may be wrong, and please forgive me if I am, if I'm not mistaken, corn was actually the first band that I can remember using seven string Ibanez guitars like those were like the because everybody was either using a six string guitar not that many bands were using five string basses either and the fact that you know the bass was so low key it make it sound very different you know what I mean um so so for me whenever it has a very distinct style you know, because in, in the very high pitched tone with the song falling away from me, 
I just immediately was like, yep, that's it's it's instantly recognizable. So when I heard it on the Slaughterhouse uh, album, I was like, oh shit, that's corn. They sample corn, you know. So yeah, but but I mean yeah, but and if you ever right. really listen to the song Hammer Dance, it's actually a pretty good song actually. Oh, I like it. It just I, I yeah. didn't pay that much attention to like the yeah, actual. This is actually <laughs> the, the album, and again, man, I mean the album itself was just an, an amazing album. Um, and it says that these, this album was actually promoted throughout 2000 by the band's highly successful Sick and Twisted tour. Um, I believe it was it was Corn, Stain, P.O.D., Powerman 5000, Papa Roach, and a band called Mindless Self Indulgence. I don't remember that band. They're an, ele- an electro punk no, band not. from New York City. That's why I probably never heard of them. They're, they were electro punk. Okay, so. We then go from that. If my computer will quit fucking up. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> again, ladies and gentlemen, this is still all new to me. Um, so basically, uh, a little before Corn's release in the album of issues, the band actually appeared on an episode of South Park called Corn's Groovy Pirate Ghost Mystery, in which say what now? Yep. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember um, that song. In which the first single, um, ish, the first single from Issues Falling Away From Me was premiered. Uh, it says the single became Korn's first entry into the Billboard Top Hot 100, reaching number 99. Make Me Bad was released on, you know, on you know, as a single later on, and it actually managed up to 14. Uh, and then the third single, Somebody Someone, that followed. Uh, it had moderate success, didn't really get that big of, you know, but they did say that they do credit for, you know, for having amazing uh, CGI effects. Um, and every single video was a staple on Total Request Live, uh, two of which made it all the way to their quote unquote retirement, which is basically once a video has been on the countdown for 45 days or something like that, then they automatically retire it to give room for other music videos to get a chance, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's what lame. I said too. Um, but they said that it, you know, it became, you know, three times platinum, and they said that it was a very good follow up to the song, to the album "Follow the Leader." And then you cross over into the new millennium. You cross over into two thousand and two. The band takes a little break, and then Corn reemerges in two thousand two with the album "Untouchables." Uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but. Untouchables to me was one of those albums that I was I, I was expecting kind of the same thing, but then they hit you with some new shit like out of nowhere almost. Um, I mean, you gotta stay, you gotta stay exactly. fresh. We talked about. It I mean, I mean, a lot of it was still kind of the same, like in terms of guitar riffs and in terms of bass lines and in terms of drum patterns and things of that nature. Like you could tell it was corn. But you can tell, like, whoa, this is a new corn. This is something that's like still the same thing, because the first song you hear is "Here to Stay," and it's that you know, and it was gritty, you know, and it was almost like it was like an evolution for them, almost like we can't constantly do the same kind of new metal. We have to evolve it to a different level because they classify this album as new metal but they also put it in a in another category of alternative metal as well 
You know what I mean? I think this this was the album that they were like, okay, they're new metal, but they're kind of putting more elements into it as well. So therefore, it's, it's more alternative. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this this album um, definitely sparks the the conversation of the downfall of Corn because uh, it was one of their their lesser charted albums um you know during this time new metal is really falling uh out of the wayside for popular music you know people aren't listening to it as much and everything um they only had what three three singles off this song um here to stay thoughtless yeah, and alone well, I, I break, break was um, amazing to me like i believe that that's one of my favorite corn songs is long that was I was to say yeah. that, in my opinion, I was to say, in my opinion, it was the best I, song I, on this album. I agree. Um, but do you guys remember the music yes, video for um, Alone I Break? There was actually a, a contest much. to see who, um, there was actually, there was like, a, they were going to do like, like amateur filmmakers and things of that nature. Like, could you, um, you know, as a matter of fact, let me click on it real quick. It says, in, go ahead. Well, it, it it was yeah, yeah, it was through MTV yeah. and it was called yes. MTV Treatment. Uh, and um, this the, the guy who won is a twenty five year old guy named Sean Dack, uh, and he directed the video. It was shot in the form of a reality reality television show. Try to say that nope. fast twenty times. <laughs> um, in in which uh the lead singer of Corn, Jonathan Davis, actually goes through through the whole. S- uh, video and he kills all of the members right. of the band um, and a lot of people saw this as uh, the ending yeah. of the band Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of the fans were very up in arms over this this music video because it, it showed Jonathan Davis killing everybody um, and they thought that it was, you know, the yeah. ending of the but band. But in actuality, all it was so. was just, it was, it, it was kind of twofold in a sense. Because Alone I Break is basically about how, you know, and if you actually ever listen to the song, like, you know, I've always said it, and I don't know if Roger's heard me say it before, but I've always said it. When you listen to a song, you have to feel one of two things once you listen to it. You either feel empowered or you feel cathartic. And... Music can be therapy. This song alone, I break was basically about the moment in which you finally reach that breaking point, and then you finally just you let it go, you know. And most of the time, you are by yourself when this happens, you know. Um, but then you have the option: do you keep going to try to make it better, or or do you give up? And and unfortunately, sometimes people do. You know, when he has the line that says. You know, now I seems the times have changed. Leaving doesn't seem so strange. That's kind of like a. It's kind of like it's kind of like it's like oh man, it's like you, you don't want to like drift into the the suicide thing, you know. But I mean that is a, a metaphor for it, you know. Um, you know, but then it's like, you know, almost as if, and then the reality TV portion of the music video kind of blends itself in with it as well because reality TV. And we talked about it on the reality TV goes going too far episodes. 
it'll make you fucking crazy, you know? You I mean, could you imagine living in a house with cameras in your face all the time, no privacy, no nothing? You know what I mean? And it's enough to drive you crazy. And I think that that's what the music video kind of represented in a sense, along with the song being such a dark subject matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. right. But yeah, but also, and then Thoughtless was another good song that was on the album. Um, that the actual music video for Thoughtless was actually, you know, it was about high school bullies, you know, and, you know, you know, that was pretty much what it was, you know, about. Uh, it was actually, you know, the first time we've seen a young Aaron Paul, uh, who later became Jesse Pinkman in the TV show Breaking Bad. Um, and from that great movie, we will not Need discuss that god awful fucking movie. <laughs> I, I mean, we already discussed the god awful show Breaking Bad. Whoa, sir, sir. There is no whoa, sir. Sir, you're no. speaking untruths right now. No, there is no untruths. That show was you're terrible. My untruth. wife binge watched that entire show, and I thought it was terrible. I love I liked the show. It. I know, I know. A lot of people do like it. I personally, it's it's not in the top hundred best shows I've ever seen. Oof. We will have that discussion at a different time. Let's stick the corn right now. Already, because I can, I can hear, I can hear the wheels turning. You in your, brought huh? it. You brought the guy up and the show. <laughs> oh yeah, this Bla- is your oh, fault. Yeah. Oh yeah, blame the black guy. You anyway, uh, <laughs> what? Wow. Uh, can we edit that out? I was watching Fresh Prince. I was, I was, I was watching trying Fresh to get Prince earlier before we started. He, uh, he made that. Uh, he made that comment, and I was just like, oh, "That's funny." I'm gonna use that tonight. But anyway, but no. Um, that's not how that works, sir. That's not how that works. But anyway, but no. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, we'll talk about that at a, at a different time. But yeah, I mean, the, the actual video for Thoughtless was very much about, you know, school bullying and everything of that nature. And then by, like getting back to the bullies. But, um, you know, Thoughtless was just one of those songs where it's like the song is about people who constantly get ridiculed. And then the collateral damage that comes with it, um, you know, and in a and in a weird, right. sick twist, a lot of people actually thought that the song was about the Columbine shooting. Do you guys remember? You guys, uh, I know you guys remember Columbine. I was going to ask if you guys remember seeing the. I was going to ask you guys if you seen the music video. Uh. Uh, I don't think I've. Yeah. I mean, I probably have, but I don't. Did we just laugh at. Yeah, just uh, that at one I don't remember because that was not intentional. So <laughs> no, the guy who laughed. said he was black, Jamie Kennedy can get away with saying it. Fuck. <laughs> uh, first of all, it's B Rad G from Malibu. <laughs> See, see what y'all y'all get us into. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to be talking about corn uh, and not right. Jim Kennedy. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I I don't think yeah. I remember that yeah. music video. It was, was kind of similar to not not like a high school shooting, but almost as if like you know, like like what happens when the bullies finally get theirs? Almost, you know. So maybe Carrie would probably be a better example, so, you know, only without the demonic blood going all over the place. 
so pod's use of an it's similar but not as but not as but not as not as okay. uplifting and raw more like more dark and <laughs> like like walking phoenix and the joker. well i mean we're talking about <laughs> right. porn everything like walking phoenix and the joker you get yeah. what you fucking deserve you know but anyway um but yeah this whole i mean but like i said untouchables you know in and of itself i thought it was a was a was a was a great album um again leading up to i mean it was the, again the first album that they did in the new millennium um so the album contained experiments and styles never never previously attempted by corn um allmusic.com uh, related says the band has the band is far more experimental this time out um, delivering a helmet-like ringing guitar that melts and morphs into something different, a little mix of mix of with Metallica with blast beats, and more like a tight funk with the drums, uh, and very very memorable uh, like structure with their dark sound and stuff. Um, now it's at this point, 2003, where they released the album "Take a Look in the Mirror." Now. We got, we got to pause right here for just a quick second. So, due to the album Untouchables leaking okay. onto the internet, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Untouchables, I apologize. Yeah, Untouchables leaks on the internet. Take a Look in the Mirror was released on a Friday instead of the traditional Tuesday, November 21st of 2003, four days earlier than the original date was that it was supposed to be. So, the album therefore received a weekend worth of sales, which resulted in poor showings on the Billboard 200. So they kind of wanted to like do something different and it backfired on them. So they didn't want it to leak before it was supposed to. And then it caused it to, you know, have bad sales or whatever. So during the first full week, take a look in the mirror, soared to soared 10 places to number 19 to number nine. Uh, and then increasing in total sales to 179,000. Uh, the band explained that they wanted fans to hear the music as it should be heard. That was their, that was their, um, statement. Um, now the album presents different styles and themes comparable to previous albums. Lead singer uh, Jonathan Davis related that the whole album as a whole is about love, hate, and my hate for people, <laughs> and just losing my mind. You know, um, it was actually the song. Um, matter of fact, let me click on the uh, thing real quick before it kicks me out. Um, it was actually the song "Did My Time" that was their first big video from the album and it was actually used on a episode not an episode i'm sorry it was actually used in the movie uh tomb raider cradle of life tomb raider um which which yep. i uh, i thought yeah. that movie i thought cradle of life was better than the original bullshit trash both of them. Both of them. Uh, the, the newest the newest tomb raider is the best in the judge. series bar none the uh, one with her draft neck on the poster. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. Yes. No, 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 no. Look no, at the poster. Not, not with um, not not with Angelina um, Jolie. Ah, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I, no, I no, no, no. The new chick. Yeah. The, I still have off of the video so, game. I, mean, I played the video game. I played I played Rise of the Tomb Raider, but I didn't play. Uh, I loved it. Yeah. It Which great. is really good. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that movie is really good. Like it's what Tomb Raider should have been to begin with, but they decided to go with. You mean you know, Indiana Jones? Well, yeah. They, they wanted to be. They wanted to be over sexualized I mean, because of Angelina Jolie. Because at the time she was like the hottest woman in Hollywood, to you know, according to everybody. You know. 
Hold on. Did, wasn't... I, I, I hate to be that guy, but wasn't this... When was Monsters Ball? Monsters Ball. Um, 2000, no, no. 2003. 2000? So, so I, if I'm not mistaken, Monsters Ball came out first. And, and so she just came off of getting banged by Billy Bob to do two. Angelina Jolie? Correct Monster me if I'm wrong. Little, Yeah. No, that was Halle Berry. My fault. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, Did My Time was was uh, an amazing song, I thought. So much so that when I was wrestling, I used this as interest yeah. music you for a You took a while. break from uh, Revolution, man. Wrestling? Say what, Raj? Wrestling? Yeah. You took a yep. break. The he took a break wrestling. from Revolution Man wrestling. by uh, Union Underground. Dude, Union yeah, Underground's underrated. underrated. It sucks they, they only are. fucking... They call them one-hit wonders or one-album wonders. Like, I thought they were freaking great. But anyway. I mean, technically they were one-album wonder because they had one album of success. Exactly. But um, they were right, the, right. And then this album was... Um, it was weird because the album coincided around the exact same time that like the music video for uh, Did My Time came out and then a shock that basically shocked the the not, I won't say shocked the world but it shocked the community of new Metal was in early 2005 Brian Welsh announced that he would be leaving the band and in front of uh Incorrect. He, he didn't. Quit he band. didn't leave the band. He was kicked out. He was kicked out. Uh, he was asked because to leave of the rehab band. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it says right here. It says in, in early 2005, yeah. left the band, quit the band. However you want to say it. You know, he, he wasn't with Corn anymore. Um, so in front of a crowd of ten thousand people in three services at Valley Bible. Uh, fellowship in bakersville california said i was addicted to methamphetamines and tried everything rehab stuff on the internet but nothing helped me kick it i was trying on my own to quit and couldn't do it i wanted to die no one knew what i was going through i could not quit church was my last shot i would sit in church high on drugs i would wonder why people would go up there to the front after the service but one day it was for one day it was for me. I said to God, show me how to quit. In a 2013 interview with Rolling Stone, Head described his final moments with the band as very, very tense. The last year I was with the band, we were going to kick out the bass player Fieldy and this guy's girlfriend couldn't be on his side of the stage because there was fights within the wives of the groups. Keep your wives at home, fellas. Um, and obviously the drugs it's no secret <laughs> i was on drugs so crazy stuff like having to finish your blow right before you go to the border because they are going to check you as soon as you get there uh following his departure from corn uh welsh released two autobiographies a solo record formed the band love and death who released their debut album in 2013 um you, you guys <coughs> do remember when when brian welsh left the band uh, what what was your initial reaction? Oh yeah, it was a huge deal. I thought it was the demise uh, of the band. Um, two thousand five. What year was yeah. this? Two thousand five. Yeah. So I was thirteen. So I was in middle school. So yeah. it probably. Didn't I mean, I mean, much. if you, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you were also with the band baby. for so many, I mean, if you were like, 
the band was, you know, Jonathan, it was Jonathan, Head, Monkey, Fieldy, and David. Like, that, that, that was the band, you know? Um, and it was, it was weird because, like, it's like, man, are they going to try to look for a new guitar player? Are they going to do the same thing? Because, because, I mean, it was also around the same time that fucking Wes Borland left Limp Biscuit too, you know? So, you know, that was just, that was a, it was a weird thing, you know? But my theory was he, if he quit for the right reasons or he left for the right reasons, regardless of whatever the reasons were, he got his shit together, you know? He, um, you know, got off of drugs. Um, he actually has a, um, if you ever go to the website, I am second.com. Um, he actually, uh, he actually talks about his testimony, um, on the, uh, on the website where he, uh, he, he was, he was, he was talking about, he had, he had a whole bunch of crystal meth and he was chopping it up and he was getting it real powdery and stuff. And he said he always snorted his cocaine. He always snorted his meth with a hundred dollar bill because it was an ego thing or whatever. And he said that, you know, he sat there and prayed and he goes, you know, if you're real, take these drugs away from me, you know. Um, And then he said that he felt, you know, this more love than he ever felt in his entire life at that very moment. And then that's when he, you know, basically flushed everything that he ever had down down the toilet. Um, And that, you know, through Christ, through, you know, believing in God, it helped him to become a better father, become a better, you know, basically taking care of everything outside of being a guitar player for a band, you know, which for me, that's, that's the ultimate testimony because it's, it's, it's a story of redemption. It's a story of taking back your life, you know, and you got to have a heart of stone to not at least respect a man for, you know, getting back up off his feet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, I, definitely, you have to respect him. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, take care of yourself yeah. first. I mean, we talk about that all the time. Especially <laughs> yeah, with meth. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, a lot of people. Right. A, a lot. A lot of people don't have the ability to to get themselves clean. Right. And whether you want to, you know, you know, say you did it for yourself or you did it for your family or, you know, you did it through divine intervention, you did it, you know, um, and, um, a lot of it. And I don't know if necessarily he was going to, re- I, I, I honestly, when, when, when all that happened, I immediately said, yeah, he's not coming back to the band. Like he's done with, I thought he was completely done with music at that point. Like I didn't think he wanted nothing else to do with music or anything like that. And you know, the weird thing is that a lot of bands gave him shit for it. You know, she gave him shit. Well, because they looked at that. Yeah, because they looked at corn as his bread and butter and said, look, you'll never be well, that. And all, well, well that and also they uh, they looked at him, you know, as almost like you're a fucking heavy metal artist. What the fuck are you doing? Um, you know, oh, you became a Christian and now you think you're better than us, you know things of that and then, like a lot, a lot of metal bands have you know had that i mean yeah but i don't think he i don't think he ever said he no no no, no, no. he never i'm not else. saying that he said that i'm Uh-oh. saying that people people perceive it exactly people you know people, people claim it you know okay um because let's i mean let's be 100 completely honest unless you're 
unless you're genreified as Christian Christian rock or Christian metal, you know, people don't really look at you as that, you know. Um, I mean, and there were bands who, you know, like, were like, fuck this guy. You know, he turned his back on his band to go worship. I think that was Carrie King that said that, I think. Um, then again, Carrie King's, you know, very anti everything. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, props to, props, <laughs> you know, well, props, Carrie but, King, yeah, then. props to, um, props to, uh, Brian for getting, you know, getting his shit together, you know, and. <laughs> You know, you know, he got his shit together. But in the meantime, while he was getting his shit together, the band had to keep going, you know. And upon completing the uh Hold up, before we before we move on to the next album, do you guys remember the song off of um the Take a Look in the Mirror album, uh Play Me, which featured Nas? Do you guys remember that? Faintly, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't faintly. remember it. I, I I thought it was a really good song, but it also when I first heard it, I, I was like, "Hold on, they like Corn did a song with Nas and it worked." I mean, because they're you know, a lot of like hip hop artists will you know go and do songs with rock artists or whatnot, but with Corn, like they're they're very they have right. a very distinguished style. And with Nas, he has a very distinguished style. And, you know, looking from the outside in, you wouldn't right. think those two styles matched. But on yeah. this song, well, I mean, you would it think, really matched. Ice Cube and Nas are two different styles of hip-hop. But, so Ice Cube kind of right. worked for Korn. You know, because hip-hop, especially with him coming from the gangster rap, mold was more counterculture and then new metal obviously was counterculture so it was like counterculture mixing in with Nas you know doing what he did with him on play me you know it made it to where it's like it kind of brought him it kind of like it kind of like recentered the new metal roots almost you know point that you know new of metal course. is basically a fusion of multiple different genres you know, in, in the, the the secondary genre to the metal part is hip hop. You know, there's always an element of hip hop within metal. You know, this particular version of new metal. Um, so yeah, so for Nas to be a part of that, definitely one of those. It is definitely something that you know, which I honestly don't remember the song. I'm gonna have to go back and find it. Um, you know, but yeah, for Nas to be a part of this corner, it, it was kind of a big deal. Right, and and then the 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 big song off of this album was obviously uh, <laughs> yeah, y'all want single. I still love that song <laughs> to this day. I still I walk around I like y'all want a single. Say fuck that, fuck that, fuck that. You know, I'll just be singing fuck that, fuck. You know, Amy looked at me like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, fuck that, fuck. That. Shut up. <laughs> you know, but anyway, um, yeah, and I think the one thing that stood out the most about um the 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 song with Nas is. You know, he actually had two verses on that song, right? And Jonathan Davis only had one. Kind of bringing it again, kind of bringing it back to you know, you know, the old ways of new metal. Um, what'd you thinking, Raj? I mean, I, like at this point, I probably I wasn't into corn much, so uh, 
all this going down <laughs> right. really affect me. Um, so point. then the band right. the the band released the album "See You on the Other Side," um, and this was uh, this is actually their first album through Virgin Records uh, when they got signed on, and this was released back on December sixth, two thousand and five, and it debuted at number three on the Billboard two hundred. And it's and it was I think two hundred and twenty one thousand copies within the first week. Uh, the album managed to stay on top of the billboards I think for like thirty four week thirty four consecutive weeks. With the very first single on the album being the song "Twisted Transistor," uh, and that was accompanied by a music video that was directed by Dave Myers, in which hip hop artists Exhibit, Little John, Snoop Dogg, and David Banner portrayed the band Corn. You guys remember me seeing that music video? Yeah, you, you, you didn't I, see I it, do. Raj? No, like I said, oh, okay. at this point, I was already... Go back, you definitely it. find the, twi- the the Twisted Transistor yeah. video. Um, yeah, oh, uh, Exhibit was Fieldy, cool. Little John was Jonathan Davis, Snoop Dogg was Monkey, and David Banner was... Um, I, don't even, I, don't, I don't even think David Civilera was gone from the band yet at this point. I think he was still with the band at this point. Um, but... Yeah, well, Twisted Transistor actually peaked at number 64 on the Billboard 100. The music video was directed by Little X, and uh, the album itself was now certified platinum. So, you know, um, yeah, again, another great album. The, 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 the cover of the album was very fucking weird looking. It had a, like an Alice in Wonderland almost feel to it. Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. this one actually. I think um, I actually did listen to this. And one. actually, um, in regards to the musical direction for the actual album itself, um, the album you know, basically they maintain their new metal roots, but they also have elements of industrial, goth, new wave, electronica, and funk. Uh, Jonathan Davis described it as it's funky, it's heavy, it's dark, and it's sometimes industrial like. Uh, working with so many different people and everything, it made it out to be a more well-rounded album. Uh, it's definitely a corn album, but it's like a a more rounded album. And it was basically they took all the experimentation that they had with other albums and they like they culminated into this album, um, where people would go, "I can't believe that's them," almost, you know. But I actually did the album, you know. Um, right. And anybody who listened and like, I mean, I like like there's at least seven songs on this album that I freaking love, you know. Um, Twisted Transistors is an amazing song. Uh, I don't talk politics. I hate politics. I don't like discussing it because I think all of them are scumbags. Um, but the song Politics was one that I thought was very interesting to talk about. Um, the actual concept of politics, according to Jonathan Davis, is it's just about how I don't like to talk about politics. I mean, there's politics in literally everything, and it's not necessarily government politics. Uh, there's who's going to sleep with whom, um, you know, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. You see it in church, everyday life, government, etc. Um, it says, I really don't care, obviously, even... You know, going out and voting doesn't really matter to me. It's all based on the Electoral College, blah, 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 blah. Um, then he gets into the whole thing about the United States government. Extra shit. Um, he finishes it off with, if you really think about it, oil is what keeps us all going. Gets, okay, that's not going to... Okay. 
Uh, I don't get too political for this show anyway. Um, but yeah, but that <laughs> song was amazing. The song Hypocrites was amazing. The song is self-explanatory. Um, but I think the big song, I, I, more than Twisted Transistor, I think people know the song Twisted Transition more for the music video than the actual song. But I think that the song from, from this album in particular was the song Coming Undone. Uh, Coming Undone. A lot of it had yeah. to do... Go ahead, Roger. I'm sorry. Actually, I actually did get back into them after because of this album because I remember yeah. that song and a lot actually. Yeah, they actually. The What's well, so funny about that particular song? Wow. Coming undone was um, they actually did. Um, there was actually a uh, a remix that was made um, by the Franchise Boys. The song "Lean With It, Rock With It." where they took Coming Undone and they put basically mashed those two songs together. Um, yeah, that was... Yeah, was it a remix? I thought it was a mashup. That was crazy. Yeah, it was a mashup. So yeah, crazy. it was a mashup, not a remix. I don't yeah. remember to actually have um, that. And it was, the song itself was actually used in different forms of media. Uh, former Detroit Tigers third baseman Brandon Inge uh, used the song as he would walk up to hit. Um, it was also used uh, as a walk-up song for Hunter Pence uh, when he played with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, it was in the video game uh, NFL Blitz the League. I'm oh, not NFL Blitz. I'm sorry, Blitz the League and uh, in, uh, MLB uh, the Bigs too. Um, yeah, and and yeah, an industrial version. Oh, I'm sorry, an instrumental version of the song was actually used by Frankie Kazarian when he was in TNA. Yeah, I did. I didn't know that either. I did not know that actually. I didn't know Frankie because I didn't know he came out to something that heavy. It doesn't fit Frankie. Uh, yeah, but didn't. I mean, but but this is when he was. But this was when he was known as Kaz, just Kaz. Yeah, which means he would have been. No, 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 like no. He was he was with Serotonin at this point because it was him, Matt Bentley, and uh, Giant Divine doing their. Um, it was when it was basically Raven's little group. Yeah, this back oh, when, okay. this was before, this was before Kaz. Um, yeah. Uh, a matter of fact, I think this was right before he went to WWE to do a tryout or whatever it was. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think there was some big controversy about that where it's like they wanted him to cut his hair. He wouldn't cut his hair. Then they let him go. And then he ended up cutting his hair anyway or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, because he, he came back and be part of Fortune, which was the... But yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Their version of the Four Horsemen. <laughs> well, it was, but there was like seven of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, w- I didn't want to say that, but I was like, there's seven of them, so... I don't know, like, at that, that TNA at the point was extremely... Yeah. Yeah. Then they got involved with the Claire Lynch story. We're not going to yeah. go there right now. Um, yeah. Well, but I, another but another good song uh, um, was a song called uh, Liar. Um, was another was another one like out of all the out of all the songs on this album, my favorite is "Liar." Um, my favorite yeah. is "Seen It All." I remember, I remember that. Do one. you remember yeah. that song? Very. Yeah. Uh, an, uh, <clears throat> another song that when I was in the Rassels business, uh, I used this entrance music. The rustling business. The rustling business. I used to rustle some jimmies. <laughs> oh, you guys. Anyway, <laughs> all right, uh, Roger. You uh, like I said. Um, do you like? Do you remember any of the songs from this record? 
Yeah, I, I actually can't. Like I said, I'm not that you mentioned the album cover. I actually remembered that one because I actually started listening to them again for this album because coming out done wasn't pretty much everything. Um, mm-hmm. And they brought me back into them. Uh, coming out done was like I, I downloaded it onto my uh, old Xbox and used it for pretty much a bunch of my creative wrestler guys and stuff like right, that when you were right, right. stuff like that was yeah. game systems. Well, the well, fun I mean, days no, of wrestling no mercy, games. But, I mean. <laughs> No Mercy's good, but it's not that great. I have two copies of it. I still love the game, but I know, if you have right? two copies of it, it has to be really good. Because I have two sixty-fours. So, if I want to play one on one, I'm playing. But this game is also around the same time that Jonathan Davis also not not take a break from corn, but actually helped with the writing of the Queen of the Damned soundtrack. Um. Yeah, he was actually. You'll see one, two, three, four, yeah. five, like five different original songs were created uh, by Jonathan Davis. Uh, not meant for me. Forsaken system, uh, Redeemer, and uh, slept so long, and all of them had different um, performers on it. Uh, Jonathan Davis actually did a cover of the one Forsaken, but I think people remember that one mainly because. Uh, David Draymond from Disturbed was the one who sung that one. Um, uh, Chester Bington from Lincoln Park did System. Uh, Wayne Static from Static X was not meant for me. Uh, Marilyn Manson actually was on Redeemer. And Jay Gordon from the band Orgy was on the song Slept So Long. Um, and then there was other versions, uh, other songs on there. Change in the House of Flies by Deftones was on there. Uh, Dead Cell by Papa Roach, Down with the Sickness by Disturbed, Cold by Static X, um, Body Crumbles by Dry Cell. God, that was such a great song. They were one-hit wonders, but damn, that was such a good song. You you remember? You didn't you did you didn't you use this as interest music also, Chip? Body Crumbles by Dry Cell. Which one? Yeah. You gotta yes. understand, like most of the most of the like it, it's weird because. It, most of the interest musics that we would find is shit we'd heard on like video game soundtracks and shit. I heard actually I heard the op, I, when I heard the song Body Crumbles, I was uh um well what band what game was it? I can't was it Freak Style, I think is what it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. It was it was the it was the it was the it was the, it was the uh the motorcycle game. Um had old had Freak style. You don't remember Freak style? It was an freak EA style. Sports big uh, game. It was basically them doing basically the, the it was basically um, um, SSX with motorcycles instead of uh, snowboards. Look at look it up. It had it had no, it had, it had Brian Deegan in it. It had Mike Metzger. Like it had a whole bunch of um, like legit like riders in it. What, freak style. What what game? See, even he doesn't. <laughs> look, just look up the video game. I, I really it's, don't look at PS2 Freak Style EA Sports Big. Just look up Freak Style <laughs> video game. Write, uh, look up. <laughs> you guys are making this way more difficult than it has to be. Let me look. I, I'm just saying. I mean, damn. You don't don't, don't ask questions again. if you don't want the answer. I, I remember seeing that album or that 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 cover. The cover, yeah, but I, don't I, don't, play it. I, I never I played it that great. game. Go, look up game. I mean, yeah, it totally, it totally is an EA game. It was, but it was a visceral like game. It. But anyway, yeah. um, but but yeah, okay. 
so yeah so see you on the other side was um a really great album um and then you know they actually go ahead uh i i was it, it it's not related to this uh check check uh check the group I chat I, 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 don't have, I don't have I'm my phone on my phone in the next room i'm, I'm just sorry like, <clears throat> you don't need it <laughs> uh, okay i'll go ahead spoiler no. warning <sighs> yes spoiler warning anybody uh we're recording this on uh Sunday, well, March the seventh. Well, they hear that, like, I mean, oh yeah, because I mean, we're gonna probably drop yeah. the thing in a couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, um, AEW's big Hall of Fame caliber signing was former WWE wrestler Christian Cage. So he literally did, uh, the team okay. jump again. Yeah. Oh, so disappointed. I was I was expecting I, I really Cena, was the Hogan Hill turn, more. you know, bash at the beach '96 all over again. That's what I was expecting. The, hey, never uh, say never. That will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, with John Cena, never. I'm going to say never, never. He's making too do much money it? doing <laughs> trashy movies right now. His his movies aren't trashy. Yes, back to corn. Back, to, back corn. to corn. Although I will say, I mean, <laughs> honestly, the best, that is the be, the that the, is not the a hill I'm ready to die on. Legendary, but that's different. That that's for personal reasons for me. Um, nevertheless, in early December of 2006, it was announced that the founding drummer David Civilera would be taking an indefinite, temporary hiatus, quote unquote, from the band. Corn then performed at the MTV Studios in Times Square on December 9, 2006 for the MTV Unplugged series, which would be broadcast on February of 2007, although MTV.com, through MTV.com, I'm sorry, and on March 2nd, 2007, across North America, South America, Europe, and Asian MTV stations. Corn played 14 acoustic song sets with special appearances by The Cure and Amy Lee of Evanescence. The performance was eventually cut down to 11 songs for the album, two of which did not air on MTV, sells nearly to 51,000 uh, copies of the MTV Unplugged Corn out in the first week. Do you guys remember the MTV Unplugged Corn version? I don't think I ever seen it. Uh, I don't think I sold theirs. Because they, they redid um, they redid it. Yeah, brought it back. Um, it was uh, the oh, yeah, they they did like they they did an acoustic cover of Blind, Hollow Life, Freak on a Leash, Falling Away from Me, Creep, uh, Love Song, Got the Life, Tw Twisted Transistor, Coming Undone, Make Me Bad, and the um, the Freak on a Leash cover was with Amy Lee of Evanescence, and Make Me Bad slash In Between Days was a uh with the cure and then throw me away was the last uh song that one i believe wasn't one that was excuse me i think I believe the last two weren't uh on uh the mtv version but um but nevertheless uh they actually did have an untitled album that came out in 2007 um which a lot of fans have dubbed it the corn 2 record <coughs> um the second self-titled record um, right. Uh, a lot of people were, you know, 
very confused about you know like okay what is this is this you know is this different you know because the one song that i think people remember most from this record was the song evolution you guys remember that song vaguely but that's uh, that's the only song that i remember it was a uh, off this album. Well, right. honest to say no. So, <laughs> you know, they actually did a music video for it. Um, actually, the music video actually featured um, Slipknot drummer, former Slipknot drummer, uh, Joey Jordanson. I keep forgetting that he's not with the band anymore. Please forgive me. Um, according to the casting call sheet, Evolution is filled with... Who, Slipknot? I mean, are they even a band I mean, anymore? Yeah. 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 I think I mean, so. I mean, I think, I mean, the pandemic obviously stopped a whole lot of bands from touring, obviously. So, I mean, hell, they might be working on new shit. Who knows? Um, but. See, that's weird, though. To, to be honest, I was thinking, like, the pandemic would be perfect time. Exactly. To, you know, hell, uh, Seven Dust dropped two albums to do. during the pandemic. So, well, one one for sure. I think they're working on they another did. one. They know. Dude, Seven Dust will never go away, dude. I don't know Seven Dust was still around. <laughs> they're, 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 they're the fuck you. Never say never. <laughs> <laughs> you done being an asshole? Can I continue? <laughs> All right. Oh, you can continue. <laughs> we love. I mean, you. I mean, I mean, I stop. But oh, you you're going to hell in every religion. But anyway, um, so yeah, this album. What do you guys feel about this one? Do you remember the album at all? Uh, no. Eh. no, I thought the album cover was was cool, <laughs> but that's about it. I remember seeing the album cover. I, I I vaguely remember listening to the song Evolution, but other than that, no this this album holds no weight inside of my brain. Is this the one with the like the burlap yeah. sack crow looking thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, not really. Uh, Evolution, okay. I think, might have been All the right. only song. And I then heard on I think is in, in, yeah. in a YouTube video, Bassist Fieldy affirmed that a charity song called "A Song for Kai" would be released, featuring uh, Slipknot guitar player uh, Jim Root, uh, Clint Lowry of uh, Seven Dust, and uh, Dave McLean of uh, Machine Head, and then former guitar player Brian Head Welsh. Um, it says the song intended to raise money for Deftones bassist uh, Kai Chang, who fell into a comatose state following a car accident in 2008. Um, I believe, I believe it. I believe that's what killed him, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he did die of those injuries in April thir- in April of 2013. Um, it says that while in the yeah, it says after the crash, he remained in a semi-comatose state before dying of cardiac arrest in April of 2013 after his hospitalization. Um, Deftones friend Sergio Vega became the band's full-time bass player, um, having previously filled in for him in his absence. So rest in peace to Chang. Um, but, um, but yeah, that was, I mean, obviously, you know, if you, when you know a band for a very, very long time, you know, you do become, you know, friends and brothers on the road, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, that was a beautiful thing that, you know, he did for, um, for them and his family, obviously proceeds, I'm sure, I'm sure would the money that was raised would go straight to the family, um, you know, which is always a good thing. Um, but along with the announcement 
of the Ballroom Blitz tour uh, said that they would be releasing the album Corn 3, Remember Who You Are. Um, do you guys remember this? No, I'm, no. I was pretty much gone. Okay. Would, yeah, at this point, no. Yeah, that's what yeah, I, I remember I hearing about it coming out. Uh, like I remember hearing about it coming out, but at, I mean, in 2010, I was so far removed from Corn. Like their style had, in, in my opinion, had changed, and it wasn't what I was used to hearing. And I was like, eh. At this point, they have, no, they just, they have well, like two well, new band members. They had, well, David Severo, yeah. uh, Solera had left, well, and then they that's when they had brought in um, Ray yeah. Luzier. I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Luzier, I want to say it. Luzier, something like that. Yeah, Ray Luzier. L- Luzier, um, yeah, probably which that. he yeah, was, yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Luzier was with, uh, who was he with? Uh... I'm trying to remember his the band that he was with before. I think he was, I think he was like a backup, uh, like he didn't like touring drums. Uh, he 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 was the drummer for David Lee Roth, uh, Army of Anyone, uh, and then he's been the corn he's been corn's uh, drummer since 2010. Um, was he with Steel Panther? Steel Steel Panther. Sweet. Well, there you go. Six years. Yeah, I think Still Panther is underrated. They're severely underrated, but they're also I've seen them live. I must say, but they're also in that weird. It's, they're they're glam metal, but they're in the they're from the nineties, so it doesn't really. Yeah, it's it's comedy glam metal. Yeah, like they're so ever, great though. Yeah, I've seen them live, and it's it's definitely a, like a comedy act. Uh, I would recommend anybody right. go see them live. It's it's hilarious. Yeah. So. Um, but at the same time, you know, going through everything that they went through um, in uh, 2011, they brought back a actually they actually blended a brand new genre um, with uh, with the creation. And I, and I know it's the, the the elements that created dubstep were already around, but then dubstep kind of almost exploded in like the mid 2010s um almost getting it it did because of bands like because of people like skrillex skrillex nero knife party um swedish mafia um i I know one of those people swedish house mafia no 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 they they kind of they kind of they kind of went into that genre a little bit though they do have some that are you know they experimented. Can I we mean, say that? A little bit, but. Yes, they experimented, yeah. but it, they were they um, still. I mean, hell, it ain't like Moby doing style. fucking like dubstep or anything like that. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> listens to tech. No. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's go. Um, but then. You saw what I did there, didn't you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you did something all right. <laughs> anyway, so yes, the path you of totality. The their tenth studio album came out um, on December sixth, twenty eleven, 
and it was a mixture of new metal, dubstep, drum and bass, and electronica. Ironically enough, this album only lasts like 37 minutes, so you could probably listen to the whole album, you know, driving to, you know, anywhere you want to go to at this point. Um, Wait, hold on. You're telling me they had a they had yeah, dubstep. I know that's weird, right? Long. And it was yeah. the album is yeah i mean chip ain't gonna know anybody here roger you may um it was produced by skrillex yeah debt thick feed me i I know uh, excursion 12th planet uh downlink kill the noise say what now kill planets is all right i like kill the noise i said 12th planet's all right kill the noise is pretty um, good too I mean, for me personally, I mean, I, 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 I'm still a fan of Knife Party, but that's a different thing. But this was one of those albums that was completely experimental for for Corn. You know, they don't really go like that far out of their norm. Was it was it experimental or they're trying to stay relevant? I think at this point they were trying to stay relevant. Um, I can definitely see the experimental tone to it. But but in my opinion, it was trying to stay relevant, and I know one song off this album, uh, and that's "Narcissistic Cannibal," and I thought it was okay uh, for it for, good. for me. You know, I'm sure there's a ton of people that love this song or love this album, <laughs> um, but for me, "Narcissistic Cannibal," it was just okay. Uh, I'm not a fan of dubstep at all. And that's not taking anything away from the genre. It I like just, it. Doesn't appeal to me personally. <laughs> yeah, pretty it, much. The genre I mean, there anymore. are certain artists who have lend went back more into electronica, like electronica rock, or more of a more of a more of a trance sound, more of anything. Um, like me personally, like I I was a fan of dubstep. Like I enjoyed Skrillex, Nero. Um, knife party bands like that um the one song on this album that i enjoyed was the song get up like that was the one song for me that i thought was when i first heard it i didn't know it was corn i thought it was skrillex featuring jonathan davis you, you know what i mean yeah pretty much what it is um pretty much what but, it is you know like I, 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 anything that's anything skrillex is on is pretty much the skrillex no matter what, yeah. like it could be another um, band. And it's that was Skrillex like, is. yeah, because because Skrillex has that one song, "Summit," on his uh, Bangarang EP with um, oh, God, I can't remember that girl's name. Saved my life. Um, and everyone was like, "Oh, that's one of her songs." It's like, yeah, but she didn't really do a whole lot on the song. It was mostly Skrillex, you know, his beats and things of that nature, you know. Um, but so this album, so this album wasn't that memorable. In, in in your in, in you guys' eyes? No. I mean I I don't think I know any song from this album to be honest. And I mean but and the weird thing is I was a fan of I'm a, a fan of electronic and techno to begin with, so I was like, Oh this but right. I never even heard of this album to be honest. I I mean I've heard of the album. I uh I know narcissistic cannibal uh, I might know Get Up if I heard it. Yeah, you already look it up, yeah. I mean, I can look it up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. His computer works better. By the way, go check us out on Patreon.com. Yeah, for now, uh, just let me look it up. Subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>
go buy merch. Out. We're having a we're having a sale right now on all our merch. It is literally yes. the lowest price that you can get it anywhere. Storefrontier.com. You can get that you yes, can get absolutely. there from the movementradio.us website. Uh, yes. so we're probably gonna do a, a secret giveaway here yeah, soon. Don't, yes. Keep it keep it a secret. Yeah, exactly. uh, don't tell nobody, but tell Don't everybody. tell nobody, but tell um, everybody. Yeah. So interestingly enough, tell everybody. um in May of twenty twelve, guitarist Brian Welsh joined the band on stage at the Carolina Rebellion Festival to play the song Blind. This is the very first time he has been on stage with the band since his departure. As recalled in, in, the, in the documentary Recon- Reconciliation, Welch's appearance was a spur-of-the-moment decision. Welch initially visited the festival because of his daughter, who was a big fan of Welch's, who was a big, who was a big fan of the band performing. Welch actually joined the band Red, one of my favorite bands, Red, on stage for a song, and eventually would pers- was persuaded to join his old bandmates in corn for a meet and greet upon corn preparing for the show the guitar tech prepared an extra guitar and amplifier for welch just in case so you know yeah just in case yeah Yeah, just in Um, case get out of here Right, it was all the work. It was all set up from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Which is a great. I mean, um, it's a good. So thing, on though. March, so, thing, I'm sorry, not March. Definitely. Sorry. So in July of 2012, Jonathan Davis told Billboard.com that Corn was getting ready to start recording the 11th album to be released independently. It was also announced that the new album would not contain any dubstep influence, like in Path to Path to Totality. Yeah. And yeah, right. And uh, James Schaefer stated in an interview with the Phoenix New Times that the new album would be heavier, more aggressive in your face, guitars and vocals. He went on to say that he would be using new recording techniques in the studio to give his riffs a brand new, fresh approach. Now, in November of the same year, Mudvayne bass player uh, Brian Mantine, Martin, I'm sorry. Uh, toured with Corn temporarily to replace Fieldy, who was staying home with his wife during her pregnancy. Hey, shout out to you, my friend. That's a that's a that's a definitely a that's that's a G, that's that's a, that's a man move right there. That month also saw the confirmation that Brian Head Welsh rejoined the band. His comeback was initially thought to be temporary, as he was only scheduled for two shows. In June of 2013, at the the um, the rock the uh, the rock AM ring and rock in park, but the new drummer Ray announced that uh, he has w- worked full time with the band. In January of 2013, techno artist Beta Tracks acknowledged he was working on a new corn song for the upcoming album, which he commented would sound like a past like the past and the future at the same time okay that sounds weird uh so yeah it doesn't right yeah it sounds like this is so revolutionary we keep it old school like what the fuck <laughs> you know um so so basically on february in february of 2013 corn posted a photo 
showing head as part of the lineup for the upcoming tour schedule, which escalated rumors that he was permanently joining the band. This was confirmed by Head himself in May of 2013 when it when it was confirmed that he has already been in the studio recording the upcoming album. Fieldy was said to uh, was said uh, said of the album right now. I will tell you this: we've done something that we've never done before. Normally, if we do a new Corn album, we'll normally put like 12 or 13 songs that we think are good. This time we're putting like 20 plus songs. So if you've actually heard the album, The Paradigm Shift, have you guys listened to The Paradigm Shift? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a, I mean, if, if you get the deluxe edition, there's like 14, there's like 13, 14 songs. Well, let me look. But this was actually a damn good record if anybody, you know, takes the time to listen to it. And it wasn't, again, corn to a lot of people that like, they don't really, I thought Paradigm Shift was a damn good record, I think. Um, I thought I, I I listened to it because it, you know there was the announcement, the big announcement of Head coming back, and I was like, "Oh, we're right. going to get Corn the way Corn should be." Um, and, yes. and I really felt like they went back to their roots on this uh, album. Uh, I, I remember just a couple of songs off of it. I hadn't listened to. I mean, it's not as memorable yeah. as some of their earlier stuff. But but if you, if you get an opportunity to um, listen to the full album, listen to it. But it's definitely great. Um, the song Never Never was, you know, probably, I mean, for, for a while, a lot of people was like, Corn hadn't put out anything very good in a long time. The Never Never was a damn good record, a damn good song. Um, along with... Yeah, that's that's yeah. one of the songs that, that I remember. Um, that Spike in My Veins yes. and uh, absolutely Lullaby Love and for a Sadist. Those, those, yeah, are Love and Meth was another the, good the one. Three that um, I really remember. Uh, Mass Hysteria was a good one, too. Um, again, like I said before, I think I don't think too many people gave this album the love that it should have had, in my opinion. You know, I mean, we can debate whether or not the, the album had, you know, any comparable to the to the because it's like we always compare like the, the 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 old stuff saying, oh, that was the best stuff, you know, but I mean. People, bands have always found a way. The ones that are great will always find a way to. Um, they'll always find a way to, to to make it through the next generation, if you will. Um, which is why bands like Godsmack and Slipknot and bands like that are have been able to stay relevant for so long because they were able to not change their style, but change with the times to where it's like it's still them. They're just writing a different way now. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, they evolved with the times. Yeah, you have to evolve with the times. I mean, we talked about that on our Limp Biscuit retrospective. They didn't evolve with the times. Yeah, I don't think. And any, I don't think. Where are they now? Yeah, they got <laughs> nothing right now. Um, so then from there, Corn soon began to write. This was twenty fifteen. I want to say. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, because that's when yes, they dropped the um, <laughs> the album, uh, the Serenity of Suffering, um, which again, if you look at the album cover, very reminiscent of kind of in again a kind of similar vein to um, the um, the uh, See You on the Other Side album, kind of a Alice in Wonderland circus type feel to it, you know. 
Um, and according to very, the according to much. Brian Welch, it said that the album is heavier than anyone's heard us in a very very long time, and comments that it's the most intense lyrical content that the music has had in many many years. Um, and if you listen to the song uh, "Rotting in Vain," that's kind of a true statement. I mean, that song was just you know it was it was different comparable. It it, it reminded me of old corn. Uh, this 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 particular song did. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a, a decent album. Uh, "Rotting in Vain," "Black Is the Soul," "Take Me," and um, a different world featuring Corey yeah. Taylor. The right. Die yet another I, night I was another good one too. Right off you the know, top that of my was, head, you know, I guess because I listened to the albums a little bit more and they're they're fresh in my mind right now. Um, that one stood out to me. Uh, Die yet another night was a, was one that stood out to me. Roger, do you remember this album? Uh, no, to be honest, like I said, at this point, that I got back with them, but at this point, like I said, I even heard the I heard Paradigm Shift, but I didn't hear this one. Um, I didn't know they made one after Paradigm Shift. Uh, yeah, like at this point, Corn's always been a hit or miss with me at at that stage of my life. Uh, what is it, 2015? So 22. I don't even think I was right. I mean, I'm sure they were in the middle at the point. Yeah, I think I was. Uh, I don't think I don't even think I was going back to listen to new metal. <laughs> like it, it was one of those things where at the point in my life where I'm like, man, I, I'm trying to find right. new stuff, so I don't want to go back to old stuff. Because you know, when you get that, when you get that old head move, you don't listen to anything new, right? So you don't want to listen to old bands or anything like that. And you want to listen to new bands, and then I can't even remember at 2005. I, Dude, I, I love remember what I was listening to right, Rise Against. Such a such a fucking underrated band, man. I do too. And, I, and, and well, the only reason why, they, well, the hell, the only reason why people don't like them is because they're, 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 they're Rage Against the Machine light. Like they're not. A, yeah, like they're a fucking great band. Shut the fuck up, you know. So a lot of great. One of one of my favorite songs. That was my high ever. Um, was one of my favorite songs ever is by um, is by. Uh, rise against uh the song survive yeah because the chorus because a part of the chorus says we've all been yeah. sorry we've all been hurt but how we survive makes us who we are that yeah yeah that's what dude that's yeah, one of that my was favorite when I was on top, versus Road, top 10 one of my favorite lyrics of all time that that sequence but anyway so we go from uh we go from that particular album to the nothing which is in august of, tw- of 2018 uh, the drummer ray uh, reported via instagram that corn would be beginning the writing process for their 13th studio album and in december of 28 2018 uh with revolver magazine brian Welch revealed that the upcoming album is scheduled to be released in the fall of 2019 with nick <laughs> yeah uh, uh, I don't, I don't know read people's yeah. names anyway. So also, and then stated that some of the tracks had been co-written by John Friedman, and that the band has tracked demos with Travis Barker on the drums. And on June twenty fifth, twenty nineteen, the band released their latest album, The Nothing, um, and it would be released in September of twenty September thirteenth, two thousand nineteen, and unveiled the first single, "You'll Never Find Me." Uh. 
and that song I thought was pretty good as well. Um, and then the cold also was another song that they had in in his first online interview of 2021. Brian Welch yeah. revealed that the band had plans for 2021, but was coy about what they were, hinting it had something to do with touring in a very powerful way. So, base it may mean obviously, of course, with the pandemic going on and everything, touring stopped. A lot of things stopped. Um, so maybe he was hinting that, hey, we could be going back on the road soon. You know, I haven't heard about ticket sales or anything like that. I don't even know if some bands are even. You know. Yeah, uh, I, mean, they're, I mean, unless you're like nobody's playing, touring. Yet. Yeah, unless you're playing locally. It's 2021, but, you know, um, now nah, there's a couple I of bands touring locally. In the touring locally. But, but yeah, but, um, um, I, I was going to say the, the one, the one thing that, uh, or, or I'm sorry, the two things that, that drew me to this, um, album was, I heard in an interview with Jonathan Davis that he said that the title, uh, was inspired by the villain from the never ending story. Uh, I personally like right. the never ending story. Um, I haven't watched that movie in so long, you know. Uh, and yes, yeah, but you know the villain. The villain is the nothing, um, and so this was um, definitely uh, it, it drew my attention because I thought they were going to go like real dark with it. But this is also the the first album to record after Jonathan Davis's yeah. wife so he had and a lot mother of, both passed away. A lot of away. accusatory anger, you know, whether it's pointing outward or pointing inward. It's almost as like it's almost like with Corey Taylor's mindset after Paul had died, um, you know, um, which I mean, I right. I, I, I have I, I got to be honest. Aside from "You'll Never Find Me in Cold," I have not listened to this album. Um, even in my re. Uh, the the other interesting, I was gonna say the other interesting thing about this was the song "You'll Never Find Me" was actually uh, co-written yeah. by yeah. Billy when Corgan not, from the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, when he's not when he's not destroying the rest of the, the NWA. Of the yeah. NWA. Uh, I don't know. I I haven't. I haven't first of all, he's not destroying. First of all, yeah. So, I haven't watched anything in NWA trip. Well, tell me when. Tell uh, me where. You, tell me where. Is it online? Is it... Yeah, they're, they're starting back up too. Okay. YouTube, literally YouTube. It's yeah, I'll do they, it. They do a free show every for free on YouTube. Awesome, yep. I'm have to look it up. Then. And they put out and they put out great content. But yeah, the album cover of this is also very weird looking as well, almost bondage esque. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a string puppet. No, the nothing. Uh, for which one? The Serenity of Suffering? No, the nothing. Oh, the nothing. Sorry. Uh yeah, that one. Uh, it's just like dark void. Like it's like yeah, you can see where the never in the story sort of right. Yeah, in the album cover. So cause the, the yeah, so is. and obviously the influences. I think you, they they said that corn includes their influences <coughs> include Primus, Alice in Chains, Pantera, Cypress Hill, Ice Cube, N.W.A., Rage Against the Machine, Satopra, Ghetto Boys, um, Raul Chili Peppers, Faith No More. A lot of people, you know, have have inspired the band Corn. 
Um, much of Korn's work has been inspired by hip hop music, as suggested by the band's song "All in the Family," um, and the cover of Ice Cube's "Wicked." Um, regarding their influences, uh, bassist Fieldy uh, stated that the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin were his big influences, and they said that the band's overall musical, you know, taste started with Fred Hot Chili Peppers and such. Um, the legacy that they have right now. Uh, before we get to Legacy, out of all the albums that we've talked about on this episode tonight, which album do you guys personally think is Korn's best album? Follow best the album? Leader. I would say Follow the Leader. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the best. I mean, right. that's one everybody remembers For the me, most from them, to um, be honest. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I would say it's a it, for me it's a toss up between it's a toss up between follow the leader and issues like okay. issues was you know I think I think issues was darker than follow the leader I think follow the leader was a great record I just think issues was a little bit darker um and you know follow the leader was definitely the one that made them mainstream uh. So in essence, I mean, it was definitely their biggest success as far as their biggest uh, commercially successful album in terms of quality and stuff like that. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, it was it was almost like Corn kind of like they were on a high and then they kind of dove, they plateaued and then they kind of dipped off and they brought it back up with Paradigm Shift, kind of went back down. And now they're kind of plateauing right now with nothing right now. But I mean, damn, when you're when you've been in the game for 13 albums from 1994 to 2019 and the fact that they're still around in 2019 it does say something about their longevity does it not i would definitely say it says something about their longevity i mean they were willing to change and try new stuff i mean like we're right. talking like that's what we're um, talking about to their, stay relevant their so legacy in terms of uh just being you know, with their debut album being recognized as, you know, a heavy, heavy influence, uh, bands such as Cold Chamber, Limp Biscuit were inspired by the album, and, um, you know, Slipknot, Machine Head, Satolper were all inspired by the debut album. Uh, you know, the album launched the career of Ross Robbins, which was, who's an amazing uh, uh, record producer. Um, Ross actually after the, the the two albums I'm sorry the three the, the the four albums that in order that Ross Robbins created helped create after that that corn album was three dollar bill y'all by Limp Biscuit Roots by Satopra uh Slipknot's self-titled album and in my opinion Slipknot's best album ever Iowa so um you know it's not a hot take. It's just a personal Ooh, opinion. That's that's um, a hot take right there. It's the best Slipknot album. That's all I said. Opinion. I don't think it's the best overall album. I just think it's the, I think Slipknot album. Uh, okay. I don't even think it's the best but, Slipknot album. You know, but in twenty, but yeah, but also in two thousand and two, there's a two thousand. <laughs> there's a book called New Metal. I didn't know this, um, but there's in two thousand and two. Uh, the book New Metal, The yeah. Generation of Rock and Punk, Korn was marked as the third biggest new metal band in the world. Uh, just after, uh, just after, I'm assuming just after uh, uh, 
Limp Biscuit and uh, fucking Linkin Park or something. Um, but Corn created a fan base described as extremely loyal, and that there are very much loyal fans who will go anywhere to see you know the band. Um, I do feel like their legacy in terms of being one of the best, one of the greatest uh, new metal bands of all time. Can we say they are the greatest new metal band of all time? Would no. you rank? Where would you rank? I don't them think so. In terms of greatest new metal band, uh, in the top five for sure. Top five for sure. Yeah. Um, would it? Would it be? Li- would it, would it be Lincoln Park? Number one. Limp Biscuit for me. I'd I'd go with Limp Biscuit, even though they don't have the longevity. They, I kind of want to, I kind of want to yeah. say Lincoln Park at one. Like they, they hit Lincoln Park at one, Limp Biscuit two, Corn three, um, Deftones would have to be up there in the top five. Um, Uh, no, he, that's the hill he's going. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> he hates he hates the Deftones and he hates he he hates System that, of a Down. And he hates the Deftones. I've seen the Deftones. Oh come on, man! Come I, I on. would rather listen to System of a Down on, than the Deftones. Man. Wow! Wow! Uh, wow! No, there's no, there's no. Come on! Uh, I've okay. I've personally seen the Deftones live. And yeah. they bored an entire crowd okay. to death. Okay. So I'll sit yes, over here and I enjoy will die on that hill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I will, and I'm going to. You, you, sit, I mean, you, you, you sit there and try to figure out uh, toxicity. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I do know toxicity. I will say toxicity is probably the I best album. I know pretty much older albums, to be honest. Down has, honestly. But... What I think is great about that album is they purposely made that album to not have a parental yeah, advisory so it could be heard fight by anybody. They really did it just did you, so uh, they wouldn't be did you guys, you know, yeah, blocking you me know, and hurting my kids. There's a, there's a, uh, they have a lot of social political stuff Netflix, in it. But... Or it's, I don't remember if it's a Netflix something. But it's about it's System of a Down in concert and it's basically a documentary about how corrupt the Armenian government is. Yeah, it, it's somewhere. I can't remember what the name of it. I, mean, I can't remember what it was. I, I seen that. it. Uh, I did not know that. Speaking of uh, documentaries on Netflix, they put out a new one for uh, Biggie. Right. Yeah, I did see that. I hadn't watched it yet, but so, I haven't either. Yeah, but that's, that's all good. No, it's all good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that topic, has yeah. been our retrospective of the band Corn. Um, again, new metal pioneers. Corn has, you know. I think we can all agree top five all time um, in terms of new metal. They definitely cemented their place as, as, as one of the greatest new metal bands of all time. Um, so that being said, I think, I don't know if, cause I have like a couple of bands right here. I'm looking at right now that we can talk about on the very next edition or do you want? Do you guys want to leave it to the fans? Maybe put a poll out there, or what do you guys want to do? Um, 
I don't know. I want to sort of pick another band that we all can oh, okay. do again. Then here we, then, then let's we let's all pick a band. Let's do a poll. And then we will put the poll up, and then whoever like we'll just put like a time frame on it, like maybe three weeks or something, and then we'll go from there. Because by the time this thing airs, it's probably going to be um, in a couple of weeks anyway. So it has to how, be how obscure i mean I unless you're talking like steam-powered giraffe then i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> um look chip's whole brain just went what the fuck steam-powered giraffe what the, never mind um but <laughs> yep <laughs> i was gonna say like Max keep it with it keep it within a, keep it within you know <laughs> j-pop baby metal, metal. No, I know, I know metal. what they are, man. I, I know. Jake Murphy's they used their. Uh, yeah, me and him talked right. about it because we both <laughs> wanted to use their, the same theme song at the same time. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, well, because well, look at look look at the look at the um, uh, look at the uh, the catalog that we have so far. Now we've done a we've done Shine Down, then we did Lincoln Park. Then we did two new metal back to back. We did the Lint Biscuit and we did Corn. So, where can we go from here? Do we want to continue on the new metal journey? Do we want to try to take it away from new metal into more modern, modern hard rock? How do you guys want to do this? Okay, we'll throw Blink One Eighty Two I mean, in there. Uh, Chip, what, what's your? Who's your nominee? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go. You go ahead. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not gonna do. Like, I mean, I'm a big fan well, of the Deftones. Deftones. I, I feel. I feel like <laughs> if we're gonna do. If we're gonna do a band, um, then we need to have at least somewhat a band that we all three at least tolerate, let alone like. Um, I'm gonna throw a band out there. Um, I they're they're one of my favorite bands of all time, and they're a band that does not get nearly nearly as enough love as they should and they've been around for a while and i feel like a lot of people don't give them the respect that they deserve i'm gonna i'm gonna throw non-point out there i think non-point's a great band that no one talks about enough so uh, that's okay okay so we got blink 182 we got non-point chip who you got oh oh interesting Interesting. I'm gonna go with Red yeah. Hot Chili Peppers. My son's favorite band. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. My, my my son likes a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers stuff. He loves the song "Under the Bridge" for whatever reason. Um, I know it's weird. He like he, he likes it's "Under the Bridge." It's weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. The well, song about being I smacked on to, Well, hell, that's like that song. I can't feel my face when I'm with you. Okay, no one knows that's about cocaine, you know. But you know, it is what the it weekend? is. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, but that's a it's still about motherfucking cocaine. I mean, shit. But anyway, um, say so what? It could be. Could be both. <laughs> anyway all right so ladies and gentlemen that is it for this edition of rock retrospective make sure you check out the poll whenever we bring it up blink 182 non-point or red hot chili peppers and it's gonna be a pretty interesting poll we're gonna definitely see where everybody's range in music will probably go from here are we gonna go pop punk we're gonna go more retro rock are we gonna go with uh the more modern rock um 
Uh, you guys, anything you guys want to say before we get out of here tonight? Um, you know, just go to that Patreon, $1 a month, all it takes, you get literally content that's not out anywhere right now, and it helps support yep. uh, the Help Talent Get a New Computer program. Yep. Uh, as always, check out movementradio.us. That is your one-stop shop for all things Movement Radio. You can visit our Patreon page, our YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, our store. Uh, definitely go to Store Frontier there. There's a little link in on movementradio.us. Buy some merch. Literally everything is on sale. Is the cheapest price you will ever find it. Absolutely. Um, now, so, depending yeah, on when this episode US. particularly drops, um, we're going to have a whole lot more episodes coming out. Uh, our haunting episodes are still getting there. Uh, we are we are fixing to, if we haven't already, uh, going to record the hauntings of New York. We're fixing to. We just dropped the hauntings of New Mexico. Um, we're, we also have our interview with uh, Andrew Young from the uh, Warrior Workout Network that you guys can go back to the archives and check out. We have more upcoming episodes coming up with lists and different things that we're going to be doing. Um, we're going to be continuing the Hauntings Up series. And, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You know, we uh, the fact that we've been a lot, yes, a whole lot going on. On, on top of we got a lot. Like when the, when this whole thing started, it was just me and Chip in a in a small little cramped room um, in downtown Chattanooga, and we've expanded obviously due to the pandemic and everything, and me losing my job. Thanks, assholes, not you guys, but the people that fired me. Uh, but you know, which I mean, no, 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 it's all good. I rolled and shit came out smelling like roses on the other side. Oof. But you know, I did. You know, it was I was I was happy with the way that it you know turned out. <laughs> right. I mean, remember what Elkins ah, anyway. did. Um, nevertheless, uh, you know, like I don't even know. Like I, I kind of don't want to ask you, Chip. Where are we as far as downloads go? Because <laughs> I know you've been like sweating it. You've been sweating it for for a hot second. Um, <laughs> just, just, just. A, we're not there yet. Okay. We're get not us there, there guys. We we're, we are almost to ten thousand <laughs> downloads. Get us there. Right. Oh shit. As okay, so right hopefully now, by the time this episode drops, we've already exceeded yeah. it. Hopefully. Yeah. Um. Uh, we. Uh, we I should. guarantee you by <laughs> yeah. the time this album yes. drops. So that means roll to fifteen hundreds or fifteen thousand. So let's get fifteen thousand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we can get fifteen thousand in a couple of weeks, can't we? Um. Yes. Uh, that, I, mean, I I would say I would I would say right. my personal goal for us is twenty thousand by the fifteen thousand by June. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, that's we can do twenty thousand. We can do twenty thousand by the end of the year. You know what? We can do that. Yeah, we can push 20, it 000, as hard as we can and twenty thousand by the friends, end of the year. Tell your friends, tell your family, hell, tell your enemies. Who you know? We, this 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 podcast is for everybody. Um, but yeah, on, yeah, exactly. We got hauntings of. We got more uh, hauntings of. We got, got battle topics on the Patreon page. We got different lists. We're gonna be, you know, maybe doing a WrestleMania preview this year. Who knows? Um, um, you know, or different, you know, different things involving uh, all different topics, all different types of 
pop culture references and things of that nature, you know, because this is your podcast, guys, just as much as it is ours. We do this for you because we love you guys and we appreciate you guys coming in and listening to us um, talk about dumb random shit and, you know, bagging on each other or whatever. Talk about rock bands and things of that nature. And if you guys have any um, bands that you want us to talk about, hit us up, send us a message. Um, you know, we all, you know, through, uh, our Facebook and our, all of our social media pages and things of that nature. Uh, also, if you're on Facebook, go check out the Facebook, um, uh, page, uh, movement radio fans, and you guys should be able to join the group and, you know, hopefully you will like what you see and you guys can interact with other fans of this, of the uh, podcast and hopefully you guys will enjoy it. That being said though, I've rambled way too long. Thank you guys again. We love you guys. Chip, let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Click that bell to get notified of our latest videos, patreon.com and movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. I'm Roger Sierra. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan.